Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is The Guardian. But as we go through the numbers, there is a bit of a thesis that I think becomes apparent. With a world in turmoil and these horrible, horrible scenes coming out of the Palestinian territories and Israel, Australia looks at the world and then they want to look inwards rather than outwards. Hello, I'm Paul Karp, Guardian Australia's Chief Political Correspondent. Today I'm joined in the pod cave by Peter Lewis, the Executive Director of Essential. Welcome, Peter. Great to get the band back together, Paul. Yes, like those famous brothers Jake and Elwood uh, (laughs) on a mission from God, which means it's another episode on the Guardian Essential poll. And we asked a number of questions about international relations this week. Anthony Albanese's been back from overseas trips to the US, to China, to the Pacific Islands Forum. Uh, So I guess the main question for the poll is, is anyone giving him any credit for it? Well, I think the, um, the informed geopolitical establishment thought that the things that he managed to pull off, including a, a state visit to the US, the restoration of some of the trade sanctions with China, and a, then a blocking deal on climate refugees with Tuvalu were all pretty handy acts of global diplomacy. But from the cheap seats, people weren't so positive. So in terms of rating Anthony Albanese's performance on international relations, 25% either above average or excellent, 30% below average, which is below average or very poor, with the rest saying, meh. I'm just seeing if there's a huge difference in voting intention. Of course there is. Labor voters, but not overwhelmingly. Again, 45 positive, 45 neutral, 10% negative coalition, 37 negative, 14% positive. But that big base in the middle, 45 for both. That's not the only data point today, but as we go through the numbers, there is a bit of a thesis that I think becomes apparent. But the first data point is that while there was a lot of attention on the Prime Minister travelling, most of the... Like, it wasn't like he, you know, fell asleep at the dinner or offended anyone or put a silly hat on his no head. No that I could see, no. But the the local audience was either not watching or not liking what they saw. I thought that was curious. I wonder whether the 45% average is in fact a big chunk of people not wanting to put their hand up to save, but indirectly saying that they won't really 
paying that much attention. They're more worried about yeah. domestic and economic Often concerns. Often we have an extra don't know, but the don't know and the in the middle are kind of like proxies for each other. So mm. we didn't give people that opportunity. So I cannot pass judgment on that, Paul. Mm-hmm. And on China specifically, you asked since the ALP won the May 2022 election, do you think Australia's relationship with China is? And again, it didn't didn't get the pulse moving very much. Well, 45% say it's better, 11% worse. I don't know how it could have been worse than it was in the dying days of the Morrison government, which was all about foghorn diplomacy and outright red baiting. However... Your glass half full. But- <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at only 34 of those 45 points are saying, they're saying it's a little better. I know. And to be fair, coalition voters also think it's better than it was under the coalition. It's just that there's that big base again in the middle. So is it a repudiation of the work? Is it actually saying on objective measures it is the same? Or is it more saying my attitudes as the respondent is the same in that I just don't want to engage? And I think the more revealing question when it comes to China was when we talked about offering people effectively a binary, should Australia actively support the US, actively support China, or stay as neutral as possible. Now, consuming Australia's media over the last couple of years and then sort of watching the way that Labor's signed on to AUKUS and the American empire for another 100 years, you'd think that that was reflecting a public mood that if push came to shove, you'd want Australia to be siding with the US. 67% stay as neutral as possible. Mm. They don't want to go into it. Now, that to me, with those other data points, is really interesting in that we're seeing a broad population outside the kind of stratified business and advocacy communities who just don't want to engage with these big things. And those numbers, I know I'm interviewing myself now, so sorry, Paul, (laughs) line up pretty consistently with the attitudes to Israel-Palestine as well, where, again, Australia's involvement in the conflict, and we ask this, and we're we're being very careful with Israel-Palestine trying not to ask questions that inflame or draw people. So very, very simple. Provide assistance to Israel, provide assistance to Palestine, stay out of the conflict altogether. 62% 62% stay out altogether with 17 provide assistance to Israel, 21 to Palestine, which is actually a shift from when we asked it straight after the October 7 attacks. Yeah, so it's flipped. People were generally more in favour of assistance to Israel, 23% as opposed to Palestine, 13% in October, which was the immediate aftermath of um, Hamas's attack. But then, you know, now the... Uh, invasion of Gaza have happened. It is, it's flipped. It's 21% saying give assistance to Palestine and 17% saying active assistance to Israel. But again, stay out of it. More stay than, out of it. More than 60%. Although there is a standout demographic, 18 to 34s, 41% provide assistance to Palestine compared to 20% of 35 to 54s and just 8% of 55 plus. And so they line up at 41, 40, stay out of it, 20, provide assistance to Israel now. Why? Why do you think that is? I have a thesis which is being reinforced by a lot of the commentary around what's happening in America as well, which is that those that are on TikTok are being served up a lot of pro-Palestinian content in a whole lot of different performative waves. I don't think that's the only reason, but the fact that that, and, and, you know, on most things, younger people are less engaged in politics than older people. But on this one, there appears to be something going on in the younger zeitgeist that 
means that they have a very different view to this conflict than older people. Mm. The over 55s, massive, 75% say stay out of the conflict, 18 to 34 is 40%. So you, mm. you reckon it's whether you have a smartphone or not? Well, I don't know how you use your smartphone or whether you use it smartly or not. I mm. don't know. And there was a trend towards isolation generally in international mm. affairs, drawing all of those all of those yeah. threads together. The question I wanted to test was whether with a world in turmoil and these horrible, horrible scenes both coming out of the Palestinian territories and Israel, but also out of Ukraine, the tensions around the globe, the disasters, whether people actually want to be more connected with the world or less connected with the world. And so we did a bit of bowerbird work and there was this question that's been asked since 1974 by a Chicago think tank, which basically just says, do you think it would be best for the future of the country if we take an active part in world affairs or if we stay out of world affairs? Now, in the States, that number has never dropped below 50% through 9-11, through Trump, through Watergate. Australia's cold comes up with 54-46, let's stay out of things. Again, you know, there's minor differences in ages, but I just thought it was an interesting sort of marker that Australia looks at the world and then they want to look inwards rather than outwards. Well, they, they are a global superpower that are, well, the, you yeah. know, a beacon for, for democracy and, went at their best, which I'll yeah. let you judge but, but, how frequently that is. But, but American exceptionalism um, is a thing, but there's also been big waves of American nativism over those, those times, particularly under Trump. But Australia is more insular than America at its most insular moments mm. since 1974 anyway. I did wonder about the China question, which I know we're jumping back here, but I I, I did wonder when people said stay out of it. I mean, that war. could be about, yeah, it could be about superconductors. It could be about trade tensions. It could be high proportion saying stay out of it might be reading about well, possibility of war and, you know, China yeah, we, retaking again, Taiwan. We, so and, let, let's just go to that wording because that is a, a valid question. And again, what we try to do is be as neutral as we can with that wording and let the respondents fill in the picture. So in terms of the current tensions between the US and China, so there, obviously there's a bit of assumed knowledge and it's all of the above in mm. a way, what do you think Australia should do? Now, my point is I think that there is an elite consensus that there has been a shift from playing that sort of middle role between the two great empires to throwing our lot in with the US and that these numbers don't reflect that amongst the general population. And was the active part in world affairs, did that have an age split as well? That seems to be the frame that we're attacking everything through. So, No, um, not so much. So active part, younger people less likely. So 55, 45 younger people stay out. 57, 43, 35 to 54, and the oldies are split down the middle 50-50. Hmm. Um, unsurprisingly to you, probably, that there was a bit of a shift. So Labor voters, 53, 47, engage. Coalition, 52, 48, disengage. Greens, 56, 44, disengaged. And the minor parties, independents, including One Nation, Bob Catter, and all those guys, 61, 39, um, disengage. So... Yeah, there's a bit of a difference. And obviously Labor's the only one where a majority of its voters are supporting staying in world affairs. Now, the point I make in my column is that's all great, except that it's not actually an option. It might be a desire nationally, but if you look at cost of living, global impact, if you look at 
energy prices, global impact. If you look at technology, over the last couple of weeks, there's been a whole lot of efforts for global agreements on AI. So while those in government don't really have the choice to disengage, I think the challenge for government is to create a story that actually makes people comfortable with the level of engagement and what that means. Now, this the rubber really hits the road here, though, with immigration. So mm. we know that coming out of the pandemic, there needs to be a surge in the number of workers. Immigration is being put forward as, if not the long-term solution, then a critical part of it. Australia's always sort of, there's been a support for immigration. It's seen as part of our national story. But the numbers that we got were down from the last time we asked this in 2019. So do you think immigration to Australia is generally positive or generally negative to the country? Generally positive, 46 generally negative 34, unsure 20, so less than 50% support. The last time we asked it, it was 51 positive, 35 negative, 15% unsure. So effectively 5% have shifted from the positive to the unsure column. Mm. But two different crosstabs that I want to draw your attention to here. The first is amongst those that answered we should stay out of world affairs, which as you remember is the majority, it is 37 positive, 40% negative, 23% unsure. So net negative on immigration amongst the majority who say Australia should stay out of world affairs. So Mm. that's one piece. So this is the sense of there is a insular nativist politics that could take hold around this issue. And the second one was about the financial, which I think is the material. So amongst those, as you know, we ask people to self-identify one of four economic characteristics in each poll as a crosstab, whether they feel comfortable, secure, struggling or in difficulty. The financially comfortable, secure, 5628 in favour of immigration or saying it's generally positive. Amongst those struggling or in difficulty, it's 39-39. So they're, they're split. So and you see this coming through in coalition rhetoric on immigration. They're linking it to uh, the house price issue. And I, I thought it was interesting mm. this week, the immigration minister, Andrew Giles, tried to counter with, ah, but we need to bring more people in to build the houses, which I think indicates that the, uh, you know, the, the, the arguments... Houses so they can build the houses. Well, I think so the argument's the starting to bite. And then, you know, in the infrastructure debate, you know, they're having to make cuts because there are blowouts due to inflation, but the coalition say, ah, well, if you're going to bring in all these extra people, then you're going to need the infrastructure. So it's, it's being used as an extra barb and a tack line in, in, every, in every policy area. I mean, and, you know, people my age will remember how this can be weaponised. So back in 2001, after the 9-11 attacks, John Howard weaponised concern about a world in turmoil and economic globalisation to create some bad guys which were asylum seekers who were flooding our borders and they managed to win an election on the slogan, we decide who comes into this country. And they also kept that as a a rod around Labor's neck for the best part of a decade. Now, I think what's interesting is their business supporters, they didn't interrupt that because- Tough on it, refugees, but then high levels of general yeah, migration was, that yeah. then bolstered the economy. So it was creating yeah. the consensus for that rapid expansion of business uh, migration. But if the coalition goes at it this time at that same cohort, not of asylum seekers and refugees, but of business migrants and skilled migrants, then I'm not sure what their institutional support base. That will be the real break between the coalition as a party 
with and for big business to a party that is really a nativist outsider. So it'll be interesting. I don't think it's a consequence-free choice, just as, you know, walking away from climate science was not a consequence-free choice. They lost a big cohort of their support. I think that they could lose a lot if they go that low road. So that in this narrative, you know, like in the Republican Party, Trump taking it away from the traditional Republican base, in, in this narrative, the, the Teals are in Australia are the never Trumpers. They're the they're the smaller liberals who who leave the Liberal Party. Well, they kind of are, aren't they? Mm. Um, and they are an insurgent, and there's no guarantee they will come back. And if the Liberals lose that, because you know it's a dozen close to a dozen seats, those that have been won, but also those that are now under threat if that wave continues, plus its institutional financial base, do they become a party of small donor? Do they become Advance Australia? Like Because Advance, Advance Australia is the Tea Party model where you raise funds off disenfranchised, small, while driving an agenda that supports your big multi-millionaire backers. So you're doing both, you're running policy that works against the interest of the outsiders, but you're appealing to them with every breath you take. Mm. Well, speaking of Advance Australia, who played a big part in the No campaign in, in the Voice referendum, some of this relentless negativity seems to be finding its target because this is the first poll where more people rated Anthony Albanese negative on the 10-point scale than positive. Tell us about that. That's right, Paul. We have a rating 1 to 10, so anything 7 to 10 is seen as positive. That peaked at 47% positive at the beginning of this year. That is down to 33%, so that's a 14% drop. On the negative, there's been a big jump. So the lowest negative was 17% last September. That's up to 35, so that's kind of doubled. And then you've got 28% in the middle. There's definitely a tightening on the vote. Like, that's not unremarkable, A, in the middle of a government's term, and B, in the midst of the cost of living crisis, a term that I think is a problematic construct at the best of times. But yeah, the government is in that middle period of its first term. And as I think this poll says, the government can do some things very, very competently with very much the national interest at heart and be seen as being a good government, particularly with its global relations. And it doesn't translate into votes at this point. So yeah, it it does sort of set a bit of a scene for the end of the year and where Labor needs to go next year, I think. And throughout the year, the dynamic was often that Albanese was taking hits over The Voice, but Dutton wasn't very popular. But this poll had a five-point increase in those giving Dutton a positive rating. He's now at 32% giving him a tick compared to 33% for Albanese. So they're basically, they're almost indistinguishable in this poll. It's neck and neck. Yeah. Peter Dutton, I think there has been a sense, particularly on the progressive side, that he was just unelectable. We remember the last person that was unelectable became Prime Minister, Tony Abbott. So I think... With a handy assist from the... Labor Party and the Rudd-Gillard-Rudd impl- era. Yeah, by losing their nerve and imploding. That is absolutely correct. So I think at the moment, Dutton is playing a very um, targeted opposition game plan that is ripe for the times, which is to appeal to the disengaged, to actually undermine faith in government. And I think particularly with his approach to 
I think the IR laws, which are sort of now look like they're going to be stuck over the summer, almost making life worse for people <laughs> so that he can appeal to them that life hasn't got better under the government. So there's kind of almost a, it's the opposite of a of a cycle of virtue, whatever that might be. Circling the drain is the opposite to a virtuous cycle, isn't it? Ooh, that's true. Yeah. And is there anything in the in the economic questions that might indicate why people are upset or is it people don't don't feel much different after 13 rate rises than 12. It's just all, you know. Well, I think it's the rate rises affect a certain cohort and people expect things to continue to go downhill. But there's also, you know, so on personal impact of interest rates, half respondents say it's actually affecting them, 49%, 15% say it's working because they've got money in the bank. On our self-identification, I think that's the one I'm watching. So people who say they're struggling or they're in serious difficulty is over 50%, and it has been for the last few months. So that I think, you know, and this is where it becomes the political challenge for next year. So firstly, there are limited things the government can do around cost of living. There are people who normally vote for Labor who are really hurting, who are looking for what the government can do. So it's not just a transaction. It's not just saying, I'm going to take a couple of bucks off your fuel. I think it's actually a, a bit of a challenge of storytelling about what sort of country we are and who we are and trying to build a bit of resilience amongst people who are in financial difficulty, who are vulnerable to messages that there is an easy way to make their life better. Mm. Either downward envy, which is a great Australian tradition, so that's one thing, or outsider suspicion, which is the other playbook. Neither of those is going to do anything materially for these people, but the challenge for the government is to find things that actually restore faith that there is there is a plan. And last topic, do we think that bushfires are going to be better, worse, or about the same this year? Yeah, I did ask my team whether better meant they were better fires, they were burning stronger, but I don't think that's what they meant. Um, <laughs> bushfire season 2019 to 20, 31% think it'll be worse, 50 about the same. That was a pretty bad season. So the expectations are that things aren't going to be too flash. 53% believe that they are made worse by climate change. 31% say it's got nothing to do with those woke lefties. So a majority see the link, but a pretty but it's a whacking majority. big... Yeah, I was going to say a pretty big whack of people still don't join those dots. Yeah. All right, I think that might be all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter. Should say thank you for having me back because oh, uh, I feel like I'm the guest this it's week. It's my pod cave. <laughs> thank, thank you for coming, Peter. There we go. Thanks for listening, everyone. The executive producer is Miles Martignoni. This week's episode is produced by Emily Bird. And we'll be back with another episode in the near future. tired to clean your floors after playtime forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over let eufy x10 pro omni help powerful 8000 pa suction removes debris and mop master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease save time and keep your floors cleaner want to know more go to eufy.com that's eufy.com and discover x10 pro omni the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.